On this episode of the 414 Sports Podcast, of course, we're going to be talking about the Brewers, the Bucks, and the Packers. But this week, the 414 lost an old friend, and I'll explain in just a sec. It's the 414 Sports Podcast. Let's go. But instead, it's the 414 Sports Podcast, and it starts right now. of the 414 Sports Podcast. I'm Don Wachillas. Thank you so much for logging in and joining us, whether you've done so on Spotify, Google, Apple, or any of the other five platforms that we currently reside on. As I noted, we will get to the Packers. We'll get to the Bucks, who have seen their schedule released, and we've got a Christmas Day game again this year. The Brewers in the midst of a four-game series with the Los Angeles Dodgers. As we put this podcast together, we'll talk about that. But this week, something happened here in our community that I think took many back. And that was the fact that on Tuesday, August 16th, the word had gotten out that 12.50 a.m. the fan would be dropping all of its local programming and switching simply to the national CBS broadcast and in turn eliminating all of those who had put such time and effort into making sure the Milwaukee sport talk scene is what it is. Now, you can say what you want, whether or not the personalities um, were your favorite, whether or not the station was your favorite. But even if the station wasn't your favorite, You should still want the fan around because it creates competition. And when there's competition, the other stations also then have to step up their game, which in turn makes the product they put out better. So again, if you weren't a 1250 AM The Fan listener and you were on the game on 97.3 or the Big 920 or 94.5 ESPN, that's fantastic. But just understand, now that there is one less in the market, the level of competition drops a bit, and the product has the potential. I'm not saying it will. The product has the potential to drop. And I say one less because much of what we want to hear here in Milwaukee is local. We can get national anywhere. We can go in our cars and turn on SiriusXM if I want to get the CBS national feed. If I want ESPN National, there's plenty of XM channels there. If I want Fox, I can get that, right? We turn on the radio locally because we want to hear people who are from our community talking about the teams and the sports that we love and the affiliations we have with the Packers and the Brewers and the Bucks, and we can go on and on and on. So again, on August 16th, 
you know, many people in this world will always say on August 16th, we remember, what has it been now, 40 some odd years ago that Elvis Presley passed away? Well, you can throw 12.50 a.m. the fan onto that little piece of trivia uh, moving forward. The fan lost some good people on Tuesday with this. You know, Steve Sparky Pfeiffer, Mike McGivern, Bart Winkler, Sam Schmitz, Evan Heffelfinger, Toby Altizer, Tim Allen, Gary and Leroy, all not only very talented at what they do, but good people. And to see people like that now being laid off, and I, and I would assume just based on knowing their skill sets and knowing the kind of people they are, they're going to land on their feet. But these are turbulent times, and there's that uncertainty when many of these that I just mentioned have families and they're trying to support their families and now going to have to figure out how do I support my family and make the next move. All of those get put into play. 12.50 a.m., the fan at one time was the leader in sport talk radio in this community. Because of those aforementioned names and others who came prior, it was a dedicated crew trying to be, in essence, the little engine that could. They always wanted to champion their product. And if you were a part of that station... They wanted to be a champion for you. And I can speak of that firsthand. Being there nine years hosting the college sports show, these guys would go out of their way to bring you on their shows, trying to hype up yours, trying to bring you into the mix, always trying to make the station better. They did not deserve an email on Tuesday, late morning, early afternoon, whatever the time frame was, basically saying your services are no longer needed. Now, I understand the radio world is different than any other. There have been a lot of uh, sport talk show hosts that at the end of their show were called into the boss's quote-unquote office and said you are being relieved of your duties. But to do so in an email is tasteless, and it's tactless. It shows no respect for the crew, as I would like to say, on the ground. You can't always measure success through what I, you know, my dad used to call being a bean counter, looking at the analytics of things. There was a shift in management at 12.50 a.m., and when that shift in management occurred, you began to see the back half of any bell curve that you may have looked at throughout your school career. That when that management shift occurred, 1250 would have been at the pinnacle of its life cycle. What Odyssey decided to do was to, in their world, save money so they had an individual come in who understood the big markets like Chicago to operate the market here in Milwaukee. Milwaukee is not Chicago. The things that we enjoy here in Milwaukee are not necessarily things that would fly in the city of Chicago. They're two different entities, both very passionate about their professional and collegiate sports, but the shows themselves are going to be different. 
And I think once that shift in management came, once it became all about the dollars and not necessarily the product, that's when the issues began to arise within the radio station that we began to see cuts. And we began to see a ton of those cuts, especially when COVID hit. In the midst of COVID, you saw people like Billy Schmidt. You saw him being let go. You saw Chuck Freeman being let go. You saw guys who were staples at that station being released of their duties. Now, I understand in the midst of COVID, and I gave any sport talk radio station, not only here in the city, but in the state and in the country, a ton of credit because you had to generate. You had to generate your show each and every day in a way you never had to do before because the world had shut down. So what kind of product can you put out there? What can you continually talk about in the world of sport when nothing is happening? And yet, in the midst of all of that, you know, there's an old business acumen that says, you know, in the midst of a recession, the rich, what do they do? They go out and buy, right? They go out and buy at a very low price. And then when the economy comes back, they're sitting with even more wealth now because they went out and took advantage of the low prices that exist in the midst of a recession. People are in financial trouble. They'll sell at a lower price. People will swoop in, purchase, sit on it, wait for the economy to bounce back, and then go ahead and get wealthier. And that's what happened if you wanted to do a study on two different companies and how they went about handling the COVID pandemic. All you have to do is look at Odyssey and look at iHeart. Odyssey used the acumen of, we're just going to sell. We've got to cut the bottom line. Keep cutting the bottom line. Keep cutting the bottom line. And many of those people that left Odyssey ended up over at iHeart, whether they ended up on the Big 920 or whether they ended up on the game. But they landed over there, and iHeart was just scooping everyone up. And in the midst of scooping everyone up, they held the reins tight until we've started now to bounce back, right? We're bouncing back out of all of this. And the sporting world is thriving like it's never thrived before. And now you have a station that went ahead and grabbed all of these very talented individuals who were being, in this case, let go by one particular station, and you solidified your base And now we're seeing what happened with Odyssey, the approach that they took, and they've simply run it right into the ground. I I don't understand, through the big picture of Odyssey, how they think 1250 with a national feed will compete with the likes of the Big 920 with 97.3 and 94.5 ESPN. I don't necessarily understand the thought process behind that, other than the fact, okay, it's cheap, we're using these national shows, we're running it through that frequency, but we're not going to be selling anything. Who, who would want to advertise on a, on a station at this point that isn't necessarily tying in with the local community? So there's a complete different approach, a completely different approach when it comes to how these two factions went about their business 
and we're seeing one because of the method that they took have absolutely for no other way of saying it running it into the ground so to close out on it I will just say this to the guys that I had the true true pleasure of working with through like Mike McGivern and Sparky who when I pitched the idea of doing a college show and how we would go about it hemmed and hawed a little bit but decided to take a chance and that chance for us lasted nine years and for guys like Bart and for Sam and everybody else and I, I, I know I'm going to miss uh, naming some people in the midst of this and it has nothing it had there is no hierarchy so to speak these people were passionate about their workplace in trying to make it the very best it could be. And again, like I said, if you were not a fan of the fan, no pun intended, that's okay. Because I'm telling you, with what was taking place at the fan, it forced 97.3, 920, and 94.5 to make sure their game was exactly what it needed to be in order to compete in the same fashion their product kept the guys over at the fan on their game, if that makes sense. And now we're one less. So I really and truly hope that within the next couple of weeks, many of those guys that I mentioned will be hearing their names popping up on other stations, whether it's here locally or whether it's someplace else in the state, because there was too much talent walking around that building for something like this to happen. And the reason I'll say it again is because Odyssey took that bean counter approach, which was counterintuitive to what was happening, and they took what was one of the staples when it comes to Milwaukee radio here in this community and absolutely ran it into the ground. So to those guys that, again, I've mentioned and anybody else I didn't mention, it wasn't on purpose but I wish you nothing but the best, and I thank you so much for all of the time and effort that you put forth in helping myself and Dan Underberg keep our show up and running, and it's an experience I'll never forget. All right, let's take a break. On the other side of the break, let's get to some sports here in the 414, and we'll start with our Green Bay Packers, and we'll do so in just a sec. here on the 414 Sports Podcast, and let's get into some Packer news going into this week's second preseason game. They'll take on the New Orleans Saints. If you had the opportunity to go up during the week and watch practice, that would probably be some of the best preseason work you're going to see live 
from the Green Bay Packers as they and the New Orleans Saints went head-to-head for two days. Seven-on-sevens, different line drills, full scrimmages, you name it. But watching the ones go at one another is probably going to be a bit more entertaining from a viewer standpoint than maybe what we're going to see in the actual preseason game, which will take place on Friday. Now, before we talk about that preseason game coming up, here's a quick side note. I get absolutely amused by the overhyping of players after the very first preseason game. Let me give you an example. I have heard nothing but accolades for Trey Lance of the San Francisco 49ers, who the Packers played last week. Trey Lance looked good. There's no question about it. But he looked good against second and third teamers. No disrespect to the guys that the Packers put on the field. They're trying to make this team. That was not a starting defense. And yes, he looked better at times than Jordan Love. And yes, I talked about in the last episode of our podcast that he seemed to have a a little bit more swagger maybe than what Jordan Love had. But this idea after one preseason game against second and third string uh, opponents in this case, that being the Packers, that you want to tout him and suddenly make the 49ers a team with a unexperienced quarterback now taking over for Jimmy Garoppolo one you've drafted very high nonetheless, but one who does not have the experience that Jimmy Garoppolo has. You've surrounded him with unbelievable talent, but you still in essence have a rookie as your play caller. And the equivalent I give it is much like what we saw last year when the Jets played the Packers in the very first preseason game. Go back and look at some of the articles that were written in the New York media after that first preseason game. You would have thought Zach Wilson, after the first preseason game for the Jets, was on the plane headed home and being fitted for his Hall of Fame jacket. And let's face it, Zach Wilson did not have a good year, nor did the Jets last year. But when you looked at that very first preseason game and you read those articles, and heaven knows you can do it very quickly now when you punch in the old... uh, the old Google monster on your computer, it is amazing to see how the hype machine rolled over Zach Wilson in the way he played against the second and third string unit of the Green Bay Packers. And I'm seeing the similarity now with Trey Lance. Everybody's on the Trey Lance bandwagon, and I'm not going to be the one who says he's going to stink this year. That's that's not my point. My point is, They have a tendency to overhype after one game when you're playing vanilla schemes, you know, schemes that don't have a whole lot of intricacies to it, and you're playing against guys who are just trying to survive and make the team. This is not your starting unit. So keep an eye on Trey Lance, obviously, as the season goes. I'm just finding it fascinating in the similarities between the comparison between he and Zach Wilson is something I find very amusing. So again, it's the Packers and the Saints coming up on Friday. So again, what are we looking at? We're looking at, at least from my perspective, that defensive backfield, even though it's the second and third strings, I want to see better production from them. Too many blown assignments last week that 
in essence, made Trey Lance look like Trey Lance in all of the hype that he's receiving. I want to see the offensive line progress. I thought the offensive line, as I said in our previous podcast, did a fairly decent job when you think of all of the jumping around and the different rotations that the Green Bay coaching staff is trying. I want to see them take that next step as well. And I also want to see, obviously, Jordan Love and that receiving core take another step. Now, the receiving core caught a little bit of flack from Aaron Rodgers during these joint practices this week talking about miss, miss routes, the route tree not being run correctly, um, drop passes that were being thrown in their direction, really just kind of called out that very young receiving core that is currently in play up there in Green Bay. I still think that by the end of training camp, we're going to see another veteran receiver being put into that lineup as we head towards week one. Who that is at this point, I don't know. But as we always know, we get towards the end of training camp. And as I've said in the past, usually teams now will be looking at maybe cutting salary in some instances. And you could find a veteran wide receiver that would fit your your scheme, your schematics, and bring that individual in. You know, James Jones was a late addition back in, what was it, like 2015 um, when he was added to the Green Bay Packers and became a very integral part of that offense. I still think the Packers have a late addition that will arrive in Green Bay and really help the team out probably like by week two or three once they understand the offense and all of the other things that go into transferring into a new squad. So we're looking at Jordan Love again, trying to take that next step, a little more swag, having that confidence when he gets out there. And also, as we said, that receiving core, and that will take place on Friday. On the other side, let's talk about our Milwaukee Brewers who are in the midst of a four-game set with one of, if not the best team in all of baseball here at home, and that's the Los Angeles Dodgers, and we'll talk about it in just a second. Let's talk about our Milwaukee Brewers, who, as I noted, are in the midst of this four-game series with one of the best, if not the best, in all of baseball, the Los Angeles Dodgers. Right now, as we're putting the podcast together, they're in the midst of game three. It's still nothing, nothing. But after last night's win right now, at least they're sitting 1-1 moving into these next two games. Milwaukee got a... Much-needed extra-inning win last night, a rally uh, to walk things off, giving up, uh, or getting, I should say, not giving up, getting up on signal, a walk to load the bases, and then a two-run flare from Victor Carantini, and they get the victory 5-4, to four, and they're then in a little bit better shape moving forward. I am getting more and more concerned that my – Milwaukee Brewers are are headed for life support here very quickly with the way they're playing. Now, the Cardinals are still two games up at the time of us putting this podcast together, and so we're still in striking range. You would love to see the Brewers 
at the very least, get a split with the Los Angeles Dodgers. Obviously, you would love to see them win it and get three games, but if they could at least get a split before they start playing like the Chicago Cubs, a team they should be able to get healthy on and start making a push once again for the top of the NL Central, that's that's essentially where we're at. We had a game last night where, again, yeah, they got the walk-off in extra innings, but the team only had five hits. And as we keep talking about time and time again on this podcast, the Cardinals always seem to catch their stride this time of the year moving into September and then come playoff baseball in October. And we kept saying when you had the opportunity to extend the number of games that you had the lead against the St. Louis Cardinals, you had to take advantage of that. And the Brewers didn't. The Cardinals have found a way to hang around now with a two-game lead. And because this offense has been so stagnant all season long, it's going to be really, I think, what hampers this team, what should have been a better year as far as productivity goes. If any of these guys would have been consistently hitting more towards even their average, the offense would have been in much better shape. The pitching has been fine. Yes, there have been injuries, and yes, the back half of the rotation has had its problems. But all in all, there haven't been too many instances where the pitching staff has absolutely folded their tent and made it made a situation in which the Brewers could not compete. The, the problem, again, with the Brewers is that the pitching has kept them within striking distance. They just have not figured out a way to produce runs. So, again, we're still, we're still looking at, at the time of us putting this podcast together, two games left with the Los Angeles Dodgers. I'd like to say let's win this thing, but I'll be excited if they can get a split, and hopefully the Cardinals can trip up just a little bit here coming down the stretch and then we'll see what happens. But I'm getting more and more concerned with our Milwaukee Brewers and whether or not we're going to find them on life support soon. On the other side of this break, the Bucks have found themselves with their schedule being released. And so we'll highlight just a couple of games before we get into another edition of You Gotta Be Kidding Me. And we'll do that NBA released its schedule, and of course for us that means looking at who the Milwaukee Bucks will be facing in hopes of trying to get back into the NBA championship mix. But before we get into some of those games, just real quick. So Giannis was on a Chicago station. I don't know if it was radio or TV, but he was on a station, and the question was asked about him playing with the Chicago Bulls. And he gave an answer basically saying, you know, the Bulls are a very historic franchise, won a lot of championships. And would I be opposed to playing with the Bulls later on in my career? No. And, of course, the media world went crazy that Giannis now wants to play with the Bulls. Can everybody just relax? The man answered a question honestly. And that's the one thing we always get from Giannis, right? We get a Giannis response 
which in other words is an honest response. He just tells you what he's thinking. So Giannis essentially was saying, listen, I'm not going to say I will never play for the Chicago Bulls. If this, that, and the other thing were to happen, would I mind playing for the Bulls? No, they have a rich tradition. It's a great organization. You go on and on and on with that. But it wasn't as if he's like, yeah, I'm jumping ship. I don't want to be here anymore. I can't stand Milwaukee. None of that happened. But I'll tell you, if you if you saw that quote and saw what the national media did with it, you thought it was the end of Giannis in Milwaukee and so forth. Everybody just take a breath. He answered a question honestly and essentially said, listen, at the end of my career, if it's there, I, would, I wouldn't object to playing because of as the different points I alluded to. All right, now that I got that off my chest, we've got the Bucks schedule being released. We're going to get a Christmas Day game again. This time it will be against the Celtics in the Boston Garden. Now, here is one thing to keep an eye on as the season progresses. You can go through, mark the wins, mark the losses, right? You, you don't know about injuries and players needing a day off and all of those those fine things that come into play. But with less than two weeks left in the season, in this upcoming season, the Bucks will play Philadelphia and Boston, and then their last two of three will be against the Bulls and the Raptors. So the Bucks down the stretch look as if their schedule is kind of heavy in that they'll be playing what we perceive to be right now playoff teams heading into the playoffs. So what that means for seeding, you know, the Bucks really don't panic about the regular season or us fans panic about the regular season the way we used to. The onus of the regular season is not as great as it used to be since the Bucks won a championship. We saw the Bucks just crush teams in the regular season and then not find themselves vying for a championship. And then the season they win the championship, they kind of did what they had to do to get through the regular season, get a decent seed, and then it was all about the playoffs, and they were off and running. So the regular season is fun to watch. It sets up the seeding, and the and the Bucks are going to want to have, you know, the right seed, so to speak, as you get yourself into the playoffs and what those matchups look like. But the regular season just doesn't have the same onus, the same pressure, the same weight that it used to, but I thought it was interesting that in those last two weeks, you're going to be battling against the Bulls and the Raptors. Those two teams in your last three games down the stretch, that if you're if you're looking at your team being ready for the playoffs, playing teams like that, playing Boston and Philadelphia as well within that month, those games will get you ready for that playoff run, and hopefully we're going to see the Bucks back vying for an NBA championship. So go online. You'll see the schedule posted just about everywhere. Everybody's got the games highlighted that they think are important, but take a peek at it because before we know it, in a blink of an eye, the NBA will be up and running. We're going to get ready to close out this edition of the 414 Sports Podcast with a you got to be kidding me. And this time we head to the world of golf, and I'll explain in a moment.
out with another edition of You Gotta Be Kidding Me. And when I started this, I was thinking that I might have to search a little bit, but these things come fast and furious, and it seems that every day you open up your iPad, your computer, or even for some people still popping open an old-fashioned newspaper and you look at some of the storylines that exist, all you can do is shake your head and say, you gotta be kidding me. So this edition of You Gotta Be Kidding Me, we travel to the world of golf where it was learned today that Patrick Reed has filed a $750 million lawsuit against the Golf Channel and Brandel Chambly. Now, Patrick Reed claims in the lawsuit that has been filed that he is the victim of, quote, calculated malicious, unquote, attacks that have had a direct effect on his livelihood for the past nine years. I wish I had the skill set, the technology to put a crying baby underneath what I'm talking about right now to accentuate where I think this all goes. You're going to sue the Golf Channel and one of its commentators for $750 million because they're picking on you? Are you kidding me? You know how you fix that? Don't do some of the things that you do. Win a few more tournaments. You want to go to live tour? That's fine, but understand the way it is set up right now that people have gone to the live tour have not been necessarily looked on favorably by many. Some have, some haven't. But now to turn around and sue the Golf Channel and one of its commentators because you're feeling as if it has been a nine-year campaign to pick on you? I, I sincerely, I personally, I just sincerely hope the judge looks at it, gets a good laugh, and throws it out. But we'll have to wait and see how that one progresses. On a more serious note, in the next couple of days, it is believed that the judge, based on the lawsuit by those PGA players, uh, excuse me, well, those PGA players that went to the Live Tour that are suing the PGA because they're being banned from the BMW Championship and some of those other things, the contract that they signed with Live is supposed to be unveiled. And there's some big question marks with regards to those contracts. So it'll be interesting to see what they look like once they have been unsealed and the judge allows it to be unsealed. And when they do that, we'll talk about it definitely on this podcast. That does it for us on today's episode of the 414 Sports Podcast. Thank you, as always, so much for logging in and joining us. And to all of those guys at The Fan, good luck. You're too doggone talented not to land on your feet. Thoughts, prayers, wishing you nothing but the best. The rest of us, let's take care of one another. Talk to you soon. (laughs) We'll be right back.